This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. From NBC News World Headquarters in New York, this is NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams. And no, don't feel weird that you feel like you've got a, a channel change. No, we are playing that music because it leads us into our interview with our next guest, Joel Beckerman, who is the author of The Sonic Boom. And that's one of the pieces that uh, he has had the privilege of being involved in. And Joel, we welcome you to the show. Thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Dan. This really, uh, for you personally, this doesn't seem to be a stretch, this book, considering that you obviously have been a composer for quite some time. Well, really, it is, you know, it's been my world thinking about not only music, but sound and how it affects people's behavior for a very long time and tells stories and pulls them into movements, things like that. Most people, uh, when they have that, that level of success, will go back and look and, and say that they've had that, that aha moment in their life. Uh, did you, having worked in sound for so long, have a boom moment that, that, that you had in terms of writing this book? Oh, my gosh. Well, I've had so many boom moments in association with writing this book. But yeah. really the one that, that prompted me to write it in the first place is, you know, in my career, I've worked with so many smart, creative people, uh, sure. not only in television, but also in marketing and branding, and realizing that, you know, as we're talking about how you use music and sound to pull people into stories and to benefit their relationships with brands, uh, really what I started to think about more and more was how sound affects us every single moment of our lives, really the soundtrack of our lives, and how all those different moments of sound guide our mood, make our, you know, really guide our choices. It changes our mood in an instant and all these things that are sort of happening, and we may not even be aware of it because it operates at this subconscious level. Well, and, and as you brought it up, you having done work with branding people as well, uh, branding is such a hot hot topic, uh, especially now, uh, the last few years as we're going forward. But I think people forget that music is such a big part of branding, as we kind of alluded to right there at the top, playing the uh, the NBC Nightly News theme song. Well, you know, certainly entertainment brands and general market brands share much. It's almost like more and more entertainment brands want to kind of be more like general market brands and more general market brands want to be like entertainment brands because they really want to be about emotion and about relationships. Yeah. And obviously in corporate America, what they're thinking about is, well, how do we monetize those relationships and how do we uh, – so you were talking about branding you know, being a big factor, uh, really almost the way that, that – that companies are now thinking about brand is is a bit different. They're not just thinking about, oh, we need to be known in the marketplace, but they're really thinking, you know, there are a lot of conversations happening in C-suites throughout the country, which are about customer experience. Yeah. Yeah. And customer experience really, you know, well, what is that? I mean, from my perspective, we look at it as relationships with customers. Apple proved that uh, if you love a company, you will do business with them. So th- that's a very, very valuable uh, commodity is is your brand, but really not just for its uh, for its own sake, but really in terms of how it helps you monetize customer relationships, and that's one of the things that sound does, probably more powerfully than anything else, uh, just because 
it acts uh, on this uh, really primal part of your brain. It gives you these emotional reactions and emotional connections in a matter of just a second. We're talking with author Joel Beckerman, who uh, has written a book, The Sonic Boom, How Sound Transforms the Way We Think, Feel, and Buy. And uh, Joel also, as we mentioned, a, a composer of music as well. One of the interesting things I found in terms of your career is that you've actually helped compose music for the Super Bowl. And if there is ever one sport right now that uses music to its absolute advantage... It's the NFL. It, 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 you think about all the music that you hear through NFL films and, and obviously with the networks, with the Super Bowl, it is a, a huge part of marketing that league. And one of the most interesting things about the Super Bowl is you have to realize that although it's the biggest football game of the year, that really it's the one that has the least to do with football. Because yeah, that's the, true. Yes. Because the vast majority of people tuning in uh, really are not necessarily big football fans who know everything about football. Yeah. So imagine my, my uh, for, first of all, I had the opportunity to build off of a wonderful piece of music by one of my, uh, you know, really one of the all-time great uh, film and television composers of all time, John Williams. Sure. And what I needed to do was to extend those themes, create new themes uh, and new, new elements for this. But the real challenge is, imagine if you were trying to score a movie that had yet to be shot. And that's really what it is. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to be a blowout game. You don't know if it's going to be the closest game ever. You don't know if they're going to be records smashed. You just have no idea what's going on. So really, you know, what's going to happen. So really what I had to do with the director was to sort of imagine, based on everything we knew about the players and the season, what might happen and yeah. actually create music in advance uh, to, to cover each and every one of those story points. And then the director with the sound people needed to pick exactly the perfect music cue in real time as it was happening. That's, uh, that's even more difficult than what they currently do because, as you alluded to, you didn't have an idea what, what was going to happen, and you had to have this obviously ready to go. It, yeah, it is quite, a, quite an interesting challenge. Um, actually, there's... Uh, the, the, there was some uh, some footage from the Super Bowl and actually a bunch of other examples of how sound transforms the way you think, yeah. feel, or buy, which is really from the book, on a, a website, sonicboombook.com. If your listeners want to check it out, there's a lot of really interesting examples of that and, and sort of an introduction to what I've been talking about as, as the movement of uh, Sonic Boom, which is about recognizing how this uh, music works in our lives. Not that, that you would have any numbers or anything, but this is obviously, it is a huge revenue-driving part of the economy these days. The sound that we hear, uh, even if we're walking through midtown Manhattan, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that there are, really, what, what one of the main themes of the book is, is, gee, it isn't like I'm saying we need all sorts of great new sound out in the world. That's not the problem. The problem is not there's not enough sound. The problem is we're actually overrun by sound. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to inspire individuals and brands and causes, movements to do is look at this essential element of really our humanity, it's it's our soundtrack of our life. Where you know that that people are uh, really, whether or not they want to, sort of inviting brands in to be part of their soundtrack. Sure. And there's a responsibility on that, and it's really about uh, 
you know, with any luck, if, if these brands are doing a good job at it, they're developing stronger relationships using music and sound and, you know, by giving people experiences that they want or sounds that uh, really benefit the moment-to-moment, but probably most importantly, giving them also silence. When you think about any kind of aesthetic endeavor or any kind of relationship you're building with somebody, if all you're doing is kind of yelling at them all the time, they're not going to like you very much. So that's what this book is all about, is trying to inspire people to think more intelligently about the soundtracks of brands, the soundtrack of their life, the soundtrack of their causes. One of the ones that you brought up early in the book, uh, actually, I guess you alluded to it in in the introduction and brought it up again later on, was the sound of sizzling fajitas and, and how that became such an important part of one particular company's brand. Well, uh, you know, and the question is for for listeners to think about, well, what brand that would be. And nine out of ten people actually know that it's Chili's. So here's what happens when when you're at the dinner hour for Chili's. You go there maybe around 5 o'clock, and I've been there, I've seen this. Maybe nobody orders sizzling fajitas for the first 15 or 20 minutes. And then when the first person orders them, in the back room, they start, or at the kitchen, they start making 15 orders because they know (laughs) what happens. The moment that a server busts through the door, people hear that sizzle sound. Every single eye in the restaurant looks toward the door. They then see the steam come up, and as the server walks past them, they smell the onions, and they smell that whole smell. And now you have this multisensory chain reaction triggered by sound, and you're completely helpless. And then everybody orders the sizzling fajitas. Well, and you bring up another one later on in the book that is another one where you will feel helpless is any time that you're in a neighborhood in the summertime and the ice cream truck goes by and, and you hear those various jingles. Well, that's for sure. I mean, probably the best-known one is the Mr. Softy jingle, yeah. uh, which, you know, you guys, if, if you want to go on online, you can check that out. Actually, that's also on the sonicboombook.com website if you want to check it out. But what it is is, listen, honestly, and this Mr. Softy people would be the first to admit this, there's better ice cream out there, yeah. but that... But that sonic signal that it's like, oh, it's summer, it's childhood, it's, you know, simple times. It's, yeah. just, it's this whole multi-sensor reaction that gets triggered when you think, when you, when you hear that, that jingle. Well, it, it, it is, in some respects, a, a lot of what we're talking about here. These are Pavlovian responses by people to these particular sound, these sound pieces. Absolutely. And, you know, and again, people would say, oh, you know, they get annoyed by these things. The reality is, if they trigger pleasurable feelings, pleasurable memories for you. You actually really love them. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of a myth that, that things like that or pop songs that you hear over and over again uh, that they annoy you. As long as they are really, again, triggering these positive emotional reactions, you actually really love them. I'll throw another one in from my childhood that uh, you may very well know is all of uh, back in the this would have been you know mid 70s i guess maybe early 70s uh was all of the schoolhouse rock songs you know Ab- con- conjunction junction and three's the magic number all of those absolutely and then how many of us learned how learned the uh, the preamble of the constitution the way we did through <laughs> that right. um and think about it also even a simple basic uh basic level try to go through your the alphabet without singing the abc song it's pretty sure. much impossible yeah, absolutely. We're talking with uh, Joel Beckerman, author and also a composer. His book, uh, The Sonic Boom, uh, out right now, and a really interesting read. Uh, in terms of, though, the, the, 
the approach from the business perspective, this is something that that companies have obviously taken extreme notice of. And was there a shift where companies even more so relied on music and sound to really brand the the particular items that that they want to sell? Well, yeah, I think that that shift has really been in the last five years or so where, you know, think about 20, 30 years ago, everything was all about these little jingles and, and you know, little hooky, memorable things. And, and although those still exist, yeah. really very few new ones are being created. So really when people hear them now, it's more reminding them of, again, of a simpler time, sort of a memory, a triggering, a positive memory. But most brands now realize that authenticity is what it's all about, sure. that uh, that really most people don't want to be sold anything anymore. They don't want to feel like they're being manipulated. But if you use music and sound to help bring a brand experience to life for them, something that they really like, that they enjoy, that they care about, that matters to them, they actually love that. So when, you know, look at all of the brands, uh, you know, that are using music is certainly, you know, uh, that are now sponsoring and supporting concerts and, and bands, you know, look at, um, you know, something like Red Bull is is a great example, and there are dozens of other brands that are doing a great job of that. And they realize that it's very much being in the business of music is very much being in the business of customer experience. Um, there, but the main the, the the there's a difference between brands that do this right and brands that do it wrong. So, for instance, Royal Caribbean made a pretty big faux pas when they were doing a a campaign, and they said, oh, well, well, this is a wonderful song we know, Lust for Life, Iggy Pop, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> it's Lust for Life, isn't that so exciting? It's such a catchy little song. Uh, and when they put the commercial out, they got called out uh, by millennials who said, whoa, wait a minute, um, this isn't this a song about a drug dealer and, yeah. and, a, you know, and a prostitute? This is not really the right thing for, to be associated with my brand. So it's really very much now about authenticity in all different experiences. And again, music and sound being that instantaneously emotionally powerful uh, connection you better tell the truth. If you tell a lie, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get called out on it. Well, and obviously in that in that case, that was a huge mistake by the company itself, probably not doing enough research and, and background in terms of what the, the song was really about. It really is sort of, you know, you can't blame them in some ways because it's old thinking and they just were yeah. not being as... Uh, proactive in realizing what their audiences want. They don't just want catchy little songs and, again, don't want to be manipulated. They want authenticity. We're talking with uh, Joel Beckerman, author of the book, The Sonic Boom, How Sound Transforms the Way We Think, Feel, and Buy. one 844 Love to hear from you, especially if you have a story of maybe something that a sound triggered something that you had to buy or, or maybe even change a little bit in your life. Give us a call. one 844 Wharton 1-844-942-7866. You also talk a little bit in the book about, about Dr. Dre and, and how he has, in some respects, he has disrupted a little bit of the music business because of the fact that he got into the headphone business a couple of years back. Well, you know, the, the thing about Beats headphones, which is uh – you know, we tell a whole story about this in the book, but I'll give you the really abbreviated version of it. Um, the uh, what what Beats uh, Revolution really was was that headphones are not about uh, necessarily the greatest sound in the world. I think most people who are 
who are aficionados of, of great sound would tell you that Beats are not the best sounding headphone. Sure. But what they are is emblematic of artists that you love. You know, that they're very bass heavy, which is kind of like being in the club. Yeah. It's, it just reminds you of that live experience. So uh, their competitors were scratching their heads and they were freaking out thinking, oh my gosh, people don't care about good sound anymore, and, and our whole business is based on good sound. And yeah. actually, one of the competitors did, did a research project and, and took one set of headphones and then put in different sound signatures from different sets of headphones. So in other words, they removed that whole kind of sleek, cool um, in, uh, product factor and the, and the, and the emblem of the, of the brand on the outside and everything. So what they determined was actually people still do love good sound. Yeah. They actually preferred the better sound in those headphones. But again, what, what they didn't take into account is that it wasn't about the sound. It was about the experience. It was about that whole idea of becoming part of that community that was celebrating their artists, celebrating live music, celebrating being in the club. Is there any link to the, the the timing of this? You said, you know, we've really seen things change, especially in the last five years. But with the way that, that our society is now such a digital society and everybody has a smartphone uh, these days, is that a factor in this as well? Well, it's interesting because the... Um the advent, you know, of certainly of cell phones and other kinds of devices. I don't think about cell phones as cell phones in my business. What I sure, think about yeah. them is speakers in your pocket. <laughs> That's so true. All sorts of opportunities. Imagine brands that you love that can give you little push notifications of things that are important to you at a particular moment. Um, Guilt is a great website for women who uh, who love that kind of exciting little moment at the end of the day when, you know, maybe there's some special deal that they can get associated with. We actually created, uh, you know, so, so there's actually a sound with for them that, that shows up at the end of the deal or end of the day to let them know when that deal is available. And then people kind of rush to buy that particular deal. We created sounds for Weather Channel, actually, the Weather Channel app that, you know, most people have in their pocket. And if you you activate that sound again. It's you don't want to push sound to people. You want to give them the opportunity to get a notification. But that notification will tell you when it's a pollen day, when you really have to kind of make sure you're taking your medication, or or it'll tell you when there's a severe weather alert, which obviously in certain parts of the country is a life or death okay. thing. It's very very important. Well, speaking of the Weather Channel, we dug this up. There you go. I mean, that's one of those things that you hear it, and, and it's just an automatic Weather Channel tie-in. Well, you know, it, what's interesting is it's a brand that's been around for a while, and uh, when they got bought by NBC recently, they sort of did a little self-rediscovery. And what they realized, and sort of the basis of that theme, and I think that you'll you'll get this when I mention it to you, but, you know, there is a little bit, you know, there's much more of a human story to be told in weather. It's not about technology and numbers. And you think about from a business strategy, yeah. they, they, don't, they need to differentiate themselves from all the other places you can get just the numbers. Sure. And really, they're about the human story. So with that AMHQ theme, which is their morning show, 
you can kind of get that sense of, of sort of focusing on people, outcomes for people. One eight four four Wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number. If you have a comment or question, give us a call. Rex is in Brea, California. What, Rex, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Joel. Um, I just had a quick question. Uh, it's really uh, music and uh, branding in general has been really interesting to me. Um, as far as royalties and all that are concerned, with uh, companies looking to partner together, as far as uh, uh, for example, when the uh, Honeygrams, they use this song uh, by the Turtles, So Happy Together. And I know that works out for for Honeygrams or Golden Grounds because it, you know, it's just a, it takes a song that uh, had a great audience uh, satisfaction and it makes it, that brand sound good. But as far as the Turtles, it kind of made, it kind of devalued the song for me because they're talking about life. Oh well, we lost lost him, but I think, uh, uh, I think yeah, I think I got the basics of the question. Yeah, and I think that you know that, that's that's a similar kind of situation that we were talking about um, having to do with cruise line is, you know, brands really need to be very very careful about that. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that we're in addition to you know, so in our, our company we create sonic strategies for brands and help advise them about what they should sound like everywhere, and we create elements for them, but in addition to that, we advise them about uh, what music they might use in their marketing and advertising. And again, I think to uh, to this caller's point, you have to really be, um, it, you have to, you, you can't just jam a, a song and a brand together. You have to sure. really have a little bit of depth of understanding of what it's about. It's not just enough that it's a cool piece of music or you like the way it sounds or you think that, hey, people love this piece of music, so they're going to love when my brand is associated with it. I think uh, we're we're in a realm now where that thinking has to be much more sophisticated. You also bring up the fact that, that uh, and you had a list in the book about how certain instruments will bring up certain emotions within people. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no science to this. It's kind of much more art than science, but there are some generalizations you can make. Generally, strings tend to be a bit more um, sort of sweeping and emotional and uh, can tend to sort of signify something that might be um, more passion-oriented. Horns, like you were hearing the the NBC Nightly News theme, uh, tend to be a bit more, you know, uh, herald something or heroic or uh, a leadership kind of thing. So, you know, there are a lot of different uh, tools of the trade in terms of colors of instrumentation that, that, that come into play when you think about it. It sort of makes sense how the uh, music uh, is used or how certain instruments denote certain kinds of emotional states. You talk about uh, the boom moments, and these are uh, things that happen now with, with the way things have gone with our economy and, and the digital nature of everything. They happen every single day, don't they? Well, it really boom moments. So we define a boom moment. A boom moment is really the moment where music and sound changes everything in your experience. Yeah. So uh, without even realizing it, each of us probably has a couple of dozen boom moments every single day. And that can be everything from a piece of music that changes your mood in an instant to the sound of somebody's voice. There's actually a a story we tell in the book about a a business school graduate who uh, was at the top of her class, but she couldn't get a job because at the end of her sentences, everything went (laughs) up. So up talkers, uh, vocal fry, all these kinds of things 
really do affect people's uh, or you know, people's impression of you uh, really in an instant, and and people make judgments instantly about that. So that's a boom moment. Yeah, boom moments can be uh, in hospitals. One of you know, everyone people go to hospitals to get better, but actually the soundtracks tend to make you sick. And when you sure. think about the soundtrack in the hospital, for the most part, it's these alarms and constant alarm bells just sort of wearing you down. They wear down the, the healthcare workers. There's actually a certain percentage of medical errors that could be traced back to this predominance of, of hospital alarms that are constantly in the background. Um, so actually, one of the things we say is when you go to visit a friend in the hospital, bring, bring a, uh, uh, you know, a bouquet of flowers and an iPod. <laughs> Just, you know, you, you think about the the standard of pain management right now, where in hospitals now they have a plunger that patients can press, which actually uh, dispenses a small amount of pain medication, and so that you can do that sort of on demand. Yeah. And, and they actually find out that patients use a lot less pain medication if they can control it themselves. What you know? What if you could control your own uh, soundtrack? You know, maybe sometime you just need white noise. Maybe sometime you chose, uh, you know, classical music or ambient music or whatever it was to to suit your mood or how you wanted to change your mood. How would that change people's recovery? One eight four four Wharton. One eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number. If you've had one of these uh, sonic boom moments, we'd like to hear from you. Something that just audio-wise, just caught your attention and reacted and maybe changed the way you think about something. We're talking with Joel Beckerman, who's the author of the book, The Sonic Boom. A couple more minutes with him. Uh, this is, there is an aspect, and I think you were alluding to it earlier, that if that branding, that, that, that audio part to it can be something that can be enjoyable to the customer, but for the company itself, it's not necessarily something that that particular person will enjoy. It really does have to play to the brand and the music that will make the brand successful. Well, the goal really is, um, and when we get into a development project with a, with a brand, um, there, there's a number of steps. The first is to really understand from a strategic standpoint, what are they trying to, you know, what are they trying to accomplish, both from a business objective and a brand objective? What do they want people to feel about their brand? What, what uh, we call them brand attributes. What are the brand attributes of that brand? In yeah. other words, if that brand were were a person, how would you describe their personality? So the first is to understand all those things. Next, to understand. What are all their competitors doing in the sound in the sonic space? Because we need to sound like them, and we also need to be highly differentiated from all their competitors. Sure. And then we start to develop a strategy to help them do those things, whether it's collecting, finding, uh, licensing music from the world, whether it's creating their own sonic identity elements, which include an anthem, which is the long form expression of the brand musically, yeah. uh, Sonic logo, which you you know you tend to hear at the end of advertising. We you know created the uh, the Sonic logo for AT and T, and we I've been keep one of the keepers of the NBC chimes for about twenty years. So th- those are elements. But now, sort of the future think part of this is now how can very very short sounds they used to call them user interface sounds. We call them brand navigation sounds because these are sounds like think you know the the simple. Uh, the, the simple sounds you can think about is, you know, for instance, when you were sent, when you send an email from an iPhone or from your Apple computer or from your iPad, they all make that same sound, sort of let you know that that's, oh, you're like, oh, my email went out. 
So how can those sounds be meaningful, give you information that you need just at the moment you need them, and then that's something that you enjoy and you associate with Apple in particular or other brands that, that have these sounds. So that's kind of part of the future think is how can sound improve your relationship to these brands in devices, in products, in services. And then the real future think is now as we are shifting to the Internet of Things, we know that essentially in our lives a lot of screens are going to be going away in terms of how we connect with one another and connect through the Internet. When you have computers and tables and you have them in walls and, and a whole bunch of other places where we don't have them now and there's no screens, how can you... Uh, connect? How can you have those two-way conversations with with people or with brands? And the answer is going to be sound. It's, it's, the only, it's the only way to do it without a screen. So this is really a trend that is going to continue to accelerate uh, as technology uh, moves forward. Joel, a very interesting read, your book. And, and uh, having been in the radio business for you know, oh boy, I don't want to even date myself now. Uh, but uh, if I, I'm going on about 25 years now, um, it, it's it's interesting to get a little bit of it, of the insight on it. So thanks for coming on the show, and and obviously good luck with the book, which I, I'm assuming it's available bookstores and Amazon and all yep. over the place. It's available everywhere. And again, um, folks may want to check out that that site. I talked about SonicBoomBook.com for a lot of really fun examples. And thanks for your time, Dan. Great to have you, Joel. Thanks very much. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.